Why don't you just lift your hands? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you've done so far this day. I thank you that there is uh, an angel of revelation here tonight. Lord, thank you for hungry people. And so, Lord, I, I need your help. Fill me with your spirit. Put your words in my mouth. I ask that uh, you would be glorified. I ask for words from heaven. I thank you for even the miracles you've done so far. And uh, I thank you that um, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so, hey, you're kinding, kindly bringing us forward so we can inherit the great and precious promises that we've not seen yet. And the weight of glory. And the Lord says, uh, I'm coming in kindness now. So the, hey, the weight of the glory of that which I want to do through my people could be accomplished. And so the Lord says, uh, Global River, you're exactly on the right place. And I saw this last night. But there is, make no mistake about it, says the Lord. There is a dividing line in the body of Christ. There will be those who continue to move to the rhythms of heaven and those who will uh, die in the wisdom of man that they've tried to use to build things that will not last into eternity. But I invite all, says the Lord. But I'm positioning and I'm aligning Global River Church. That's why there has been so many challenges and obstacles and the enemy tried to destroy and there were curses even put against through even well-meaning believers. All that, that, it'll just end. It it just needs to go. And, And so there's been so many attacks, but the Lord says that which is eternal will stand. And so I've kept you here in this region. And the Lord says, you have not seen anything yet. And so I've come even uh, this season to bring divine instructions so the terror of the Lord could be released through your midst. And the Lord says, if you'll allow me, I'll, I see like this hammer in the spirit. If you'll allow me, I'll shatter even ideas and concepts you've thought of me but are not true so that Christ would be formed in you. But oh, the glory that this city will see. The riches that you'll reveal. And so I've come in kindness to adjust, to rebuild, to unsettle. But I'm the God of all comfort, and I'll comfort you to bring you higher. And so we've gathered this weekend, says the Lord, to go higher in the purposes of the Lord, to move freely, and to live in the freedom that only I could give. There's a new freedom coming to God's people. A new freedom that brings awareness, that brings clarity, that brings purity. I see there's like um, a purifying fragrance in the spirit that God is unlocking to us tonight. 
My desire is as a good father is for the body of Christ to soar into realms no other generation has soared into. For now is the appointed time and now is the appointed season for breakthrough building and establishing eternity as never before. Last night, and I won't read all of the prophetic things that the Lord brought me on July the 11th, but one of the key phrase that I felt impressed the Lord to focus on was this, a religiosity that prevents God's people from growing in the knowledge of God. That was the first thing that the Lord said to me. If you weren't here last night, I encourage you, if you want to hear the other ones, to listen to the recording. It dates me a little bit. But we also said God's goal is for us to be like Jesus. God's goal is not to get us to heaven. God's goal is uh, not to fulfill our purpose because if you become like him, you'll fulfill your purpose. But if your focus is your purpose, you might not become like him. And we focused last night on the heart being the governing feature of our life. And we looked at how biblically the heart is this dynamic unit. In fact, one of the signs of a healed heart or a heart that's growing mature where is this excuse me here it is Uh, one of the signs that your heart is being healed and, and growing mature is Hebrews the fifth chapter and it's this Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of a full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying there, and we don't know who the writer is. Some people think, Paul, I don't think, probably, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me. But the point of a heart is this, that your heart was meant to work in dynamic unity. Your flesh, or as people look at it, mostly they they think of that as their soul, it's often related to that, but your body only does what the thought process or the belief system causes it to do. So you're not at war with your body. In fact, every part of you when you're living in wholeness, was meant for you to have the ability to connect with God and be fruitful like him on the earth. As my heart has grown in wholeness, I could not always rely on this, and I understand what people are saying, but I don't think it's a correct approach. And I think the reason people say this is because many times people in the name of God have done weird things. Meaning this, oh, I didn't feel like this, and we know it's not feelings. You're not led by your feelings. You're led by the Spirit. But as your heart is healed and your emotions are made correctly, God gave them to you. And so they are tools, but often, if you're not aware that God wants to heal your heart, you will shut down emotions that God is using to bring to the surface things he would like to heal. So when your emotions are made whole, this is why it's so important, when your emotions are made whole, you can actually discern good and evil in a room. 
but you can't rely on it unless you're on the path to wholeness. So that's one of the marks that you know that. In fact, if you, if you swing to one-dimensional understanding of God, you will actually deny the healing God wants to bring to your heart. And so we said this about the heart. We said, we read Proverbs, the fourth chapter, where it says to watch over our heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. And we said the governing of our heart is a daily choice. Keep that in mind. And God has promised all who surrender to believe in him a new heart. We were created for complete dependence upon God, but we are also created to be self-governing. And we saw last night that we think with our heart. What we ponder in our heart becomes our most predominant thought process. How our heart sees defines the lens by which we see reality. Then we looked at a, re- a religiosity that prevents God's people, we, we define that a little bit, from growing in the knowledge of God, but we also said this, now keep this really, really in mind. You were designed for transformation, and you have been transformed since the moment you were born, whether you were born again or not. So you live as a transformed entity. You've been transformed by the things that you've heard, by how you've been raised. We'll touch on that in a minute. By your cultural understanding, by the experiences that you've had. They have all defined. You, are, you, you do not believe the things that you believe arbitrarily. You believe them because you have learned them. So this is a key point in the discipleship process to learn to be a transformed person. Because if you don't realize you already have an existing belief system, what is a mindset? It's a mind that's set. (laughs) It's deep thinking, you know? But the point of that is many people don't realize how much of their mindset they're trying to hold on to the moment they got into a kingdom. Now here's... A beautiful thing though because imagination is a really important part of the growth process and it's been dismissed often but God's goal that's why he gives us prophetic without revelation God's people perish but I encourage you and it's been a great tool in my life it's this and, and you'll notice like some people's like oh this is new age stuff no actually the new age has tried to steal it from the kingdom of God to use it for illegal purposes. And at the middle of that is themselves. The offensive thing to most human beings is to have to admit there is only one way. And you are inadequate without a God who doesn't negotiate with you. My friend, I talked about to him last night. He might be watching today. Sometimes he watches. He goes, let me get this straight. So God loves all people? I said, he loves all people. And he's, I said, we were all on a road to destruction. And he stands in the middle of that road and go, I'm the only way. 
and it's a lot more narrow than the road you're on that's leading to death, but the only way you get in is to say yes, and I'll have no other gods before me. And we said religiosity is defined as embracing of an idea or concept that becomes part of your mindset that prevents one from embracing God's view of reality. And I said that one of the things that I have learned is this, that sometimes what we think we know about God can actually hinder us from receiving from God. And so we know at the heart of what Jesus taught is repentance and it is a changed mindset. And we looked at last night that we said that Jesus is the beautiful thing about Jesus. He meets us all right where we're at. But he doesn't want us to keep our misconceptions about him after we've come into the kingdom of God. And we said that Jesus never invited people to come here and preach, but to learn of him. Karl Barth, one of the great theologians of the last century, the great, he called it, the, I read it last night, the great disturbance, this, he calls it the transformation, uh, when he's referring to the transformative mind, the great disturbance that challenges, interrupts, and upsets the tranquil status of this world. One of the uh, measures by which you know you're, 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 you're tracking properly in transformation is that your view of Jesus, and again, we want to emphasize we're not going beyond what it says in the written word, but your view of Jesus is consistently changing, your view of yourself inside of him is consistently changing, and your view of other people is consistently changing. If you are thinking the same way you thought three years ago inside of Christ, there is a distorter in your development. And we see this constantly in how he taught. And we said last night that Jesus is the greatest teacher because he was the greatest learner. It's fascinating to me that Jesus actually was learning things while he was on the earth. It's this constant wrestling two theologians have with, like, is he setting a, like, does he, like, is he God here? Is like, all I know in early, it's such a, it's in a sense difficult to wrap finite minds around. But one of the things the early church concluded was he was, he was fully God, fully man, never stopped being God, but lived as a man. He never suspended one for the other. But you see this change the way you think. And then he constantly focused on belief systems. Lest you, if you believe, you will do the works that I'm doing in greater works. These works, the things you do, is a result of how you believe. If you believe in my name, you'll cast out demons. You'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover says to the woman at the well, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Teacher, what must we do 
to do the works of God. This is the work of God that you believe. So he was constantly focused on the inside. And we said that Jesus was the most whole man. Meaning this, the woman with the issue of blood touches him and there is virtue because the kingdom of God is on the inside of him. And in the kingdom of God, there's healing. But it could be expressed in such a tangible way because of his wholeness of his heart. He told us that out of our bellies would flow rivers of living water. And then, so he's pointing us to a mindset to receive how he'd like to teach us. And this is a key part of the mindset. Matthew, the 18th chapter. And at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said to him, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called the child to himself, and he sat among, uh, among them, and he said, Truly I say to you, unless you change, some translations said become converted. That's really key right there. Because you're converted at salvation, but you are created to be converted as a believer. But your conversion to receive what he's made available is your choice. Unless one is born again, and notice he's saying, he's, he's given this context that when things, where do, you get, where do you get born again? Inside your heart. Unless you get converted in your heart, you can't see. So it tells us before you got born again, you could not see. Unless you change and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now catch this. This is huge right here. Because again, he's speaking of a posture of the heart. Whoever will humble himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Remember, we were all created for transformation. Now look at Genesis 1. And then he teaches us, now that you've come in, I need you to actually make the choice to be humble as a child because I need you to relearn some things from the position of a child. Verse 27, key right here. Actually, I want to go to verse 26 because it, it really, in my opinion, really nails this point. Then God said, let us, let us. This is not expressly found in the scripture, but with firm conviction, I believe it. Some people think God's talking to himself. I think that's a possibility. But I believe when God is saying this, he has got his whole created world right there. Seraphim, angels, all his, who are all part of his family. Remember, there's not anything in this world that the devil has created. 
And I believe he's going, let us, and he's saying, God, not them, we're going to create man in our image. They're part of his family, and he's going, I'm going to create a family here on the earth. These are going to be part of my family who I want them to relate to me as dearly loved children from day one. Accepted, blessed, loved, righteous, brilliant in every way. Having dominion as they submit to me. Because the devil is still going to be down here and I got a little twisted sense of humor. I'm going to give them as my image bearers dominion over him. And he's going to remember every time they execute dominion over him, he's going to remember he fell out of that place and I'm the only one who gets the glory. So he creates man in his image. A part of God was put in human beings. They're not little gods, but they are made the closest thing to God on the earth. Then he told them the next verse, really big part right here. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over, over, all, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Charles Capps, it was popularized by saying, that means you have dominion over creepy people. <laughs> now catch this, God created man. and Notice why the enemy attacks this area. It is the foundation for the world we live in. It's the foundation for healthy family. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created them. Now catch this. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue. So here's God's order. He creates Adam and Eve in his image. They were made in the image of God. They were created to multiply. So you were created in the image of God, but you were also created to be in the image of your parents. I know Americans don't like that one. <laughs> because in God's divine order, I just hit something. In God's divine order, because men and women, mother and fathers were supposed to be God's representative. When little babies came out of the womb, their parents were supposed to see God in their eyes. Amen. And so no matter what family you grew up in, the greatest parent could never fully and properly represent God to you. So when Jesus comes to the earth, he comes as the first man since Adam to express God's original intent. What does that mean? Everything God desired out of Adam, he put it in Jesus with this distinction. In the garden, he walks with man. Through Jesus, now he lives in man. So we have no problem. I know I hit a button for you. Shack with me. 
We know what we've all been born as distorted image bearers. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So part of our discipleship, actually the foundation of it, is restoring what you did not receive as a child. How did Jesus relate to the Godhead as a son of God? Fully God, not remember, I'm never saying he didn't stop being God. He said, Father. Old Testament. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and the terrible day of the Lord. But listen to what he says. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Now catch this. So that I will not come and strike the land with complete destruction. We know most people think that was John the Baptist. And he will turn the hearts of the father. He said, I'm coming to restore that family dynamic. Galatians 4 verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that they might receive the adoption as sons. Now notice, he does not say, even if you grew up in a Christian family. He doesn't, in the Amplified, it doesn't even have the brackets that said, if your family was dysfunctional, this only applies to you. He was saying, and because you are sons of God, this is verse six, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into where? Your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if the son, then an heir of God through Christ. Wait, didn't he tell us we're redeemed from all that stuff and we're made whole? Yes, absolutely true. You can have a true statement that doesn't tell the whole truth though. Meaning this, someone tonight, say they got, let's say you're activating what you heard today. 
you go get some, I don't know, a salad because you're healthy. <laughs> you want a whole heart. You lead the cashier to the Lord. She gets born again. But she still has riddling pain in her right leg. Would you say to her, listen, you've been redeemed. God is, Jesus broke you from the curse of the law. No, what would you do? You would apply the work of salvation to that injured area of their body. So entrance into the kingdom means you have access to get healed of everything from your childhood, from your upbringing, from how you've been socialized in every area. But entrance into the kingdom doesn't automatically mean complete deliverance. 